welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Wow, was your birthday, buddy? The first day was, and what a game. That was an incredible game, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to talk about that later. I want to get all my thoughts together about the game. So I think you we'll should talk about it the next week. Yeah, I think that's oh, a good idea. It was just unforgettable. Incredible. Yep. Hey, we have uh, back from last week. They were great. The the hammer and the hatchet. Uh, and they were, we said, you know, would you please come back again? They have. You're going to hear them in a minute. They are from Brown County, Indiana. And uh, they're, they're really good. And their music is very uh, clever. So we're going to. Circle back. Megan's going to talk to them in a second. Uh, first, uh, Jerry, I wanted to ask you, and, and regular listeners know that Jerry Springer is well known for spotting something in the news every week and, and focuses in on it and gives an analysis that, frankly, is a hell of a lot better than I could do. And he uh, Jerry, and I, I know that you've been watching, we've all been seeing this growing evidence that, believe it or not, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, actually looks like, according to evidence that's trickling out, that he may have been trying to steal the election, one that he lost when you count up the votes uh, legit. Yeah, the evidence is overwhelming. On uh, memos, taped phone calls sworn testimony, even by those who were in his inner circle. Trump, in the face of his humiliating defeat, wasn't simply trying to discover whether there was widespread fraud in the 2020 election, as he's been saying for several weeks now. No, he was trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election, an election he lost by over 8 million votes. I mean, look at what has now been revealed. The Trump people printed up fake certificates containing slates of electors other than the ones who were actually elected and had these fake certificates sent from the seven swing states he lost. He had them sent to Washington to pressure Vice President Pence to use these fake certificates as an excuse to halt the electoral count under the pretext that he couldn't determine which slate was accurate. And then the actual one or the fake one, the Trumpians had uh, printed. And therefore, the election would have to be thrown into the House of Representatives, where the Republican candidate would win, because a majority of the congressional delegations in the United States Congress are Republican. That was the Trump strategy being worked on, including the possible use of the military to seize the voting machines in the swing states he lost, saying he had to do that because there might have been foreign interference with the vote count. Zero evidence of that, of course. The January 6th committee also uncovered a draft of a Trump executive order 
ordering the Secretary of Defense to spend 60 days writing a report on the election, thereby hoping to keep Trump in power at least through mid-February. Of course, none of this was even remotely constitutional, but the evidence has never been clearer that Trump unquestionably intended to overthrow the results of our election, seize power through force if necessary, indeed the game plan of a madman. And he hasn't given up. Think about it. With the Republican Party surrendering to him, with election officials and their families being physically threatened now, with the likes of Fox News and right-wing radio marching in lockstep, the propaganda machine is now firing on all cylinders, resulting in a majority of Republicans and a sizable percentage of all voters actually believing that Biden is not the legitimate president, that the election was indeed stolen. I know this all sounds insane, but it's where we are. There's perhaps some comfort in knowing that at least in 2020, their treasonous efforts failed. That's the truth. But there's no comfort in considering where we might be going if we can't contain the poison with which the right wing is flooding social media and our airwaves. The question I ask Republicans, the people at Fox, the sycophants who buy into the notion that the election was stolen, who don't believe the results, even though there's been absolutely not a scintilla of evidence of widespread fraud. The question I ask is, what if you guys were right? What if people, not that you're right, but that people believe what you say? What if you get your way? Where do we go from here? How does it all end? You see, if we would agree, as the right wing is arguing, that you no longer need any evidence of widespread fraud to overturn the election, then what will stop a losing candidate in the future from ever accepting the results? Why will voters whose preferred candidate lost, why will they ever have to accept the result? Election totals will be meaningless. If you lose, just ignore it. If elections are meaningless, then why should anyone vote? Then I ask you, how then shall we choose our leaders if we are agreeing that voting results never have to be counted? How shall we be governed? Will there have to be civil unrest? Will legitimate authority have to be determined by force, by civil war? How else can you have the people deciding who governs if you don't have elections? How else do you have democracy? No one has ever answered that question. Let's be clear. Only Republicans can stop this. Only if the masses who follow them, who believe that Fox is truth, Only if these people stop being fed the big lie that the election was stolen, Trump won, no evidence is needed. Only when the constant repetition of the big lie is stopped, only then can the next election have any credibility. Look, Trump isn't going to change his colors. 
He's a damaged man who can't handle the humiliation of his defeat and the judgments he may soon face in our courts. But the Republican Party, who just last week passed a resolution attacking the January 6th committee investigating the insurrection and armed assault on our Capitol, assailing this particular panel for leading, and I'm quoting, a persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. That was the proclamation they just passed. Well, if the Republicans believe these citizens that attacked the Capitol as ordinary and the all-out riot legitimate political discourse, then the party needs to change its colors. Don't worry about Trump. Where is that party? Even if Trump won't change his colors or the Republican Party, if it doesn't do that, if it doesn't refute what it just said, it no longer exists as a party and it will be recognized for what it really is, a cult that endorses and condones terrorist behavior against America and its democracy. Specifically, the Republican Party needs to make a statement loud and clear and mean it that those who sought to overturn the election and overthrow our duly elected government will have to be punished. And yes, Biden is, as much as you may not like it, the legitimate president of the United States by virtue of winning a free and fair election. That's how our democracy can be saved. Without that declaration, all bets are off. Good one, Jerry. And uh, man, you and I have been around politics for a long time, but we've never seen a Republican Party like this one. So I don't know how to get out of it. But anyway, we're going to hear from uh, the hammer and the hatchet here in a second from uh, uh, and we heard them uh, last week, love their music. And we're going to uh, hear a bit more and chat with them. Before we do that, I wanted to mention, uh, I have uh, my wife and I, for the first time in our lives, and I didn't know exactly how to feel about this or what to make of it, but we got an invitation. It came in the mail. It was gilded, you know, gold stuff, leaf stuff on parchment paper, inviting us to the estate of Jerry Springer and his wife. And of course, we went. Estate. Drove our little the car. Estate of drove Gerald our little car down Springer. there. <laughs> and drove for days, for days to get there. I have a little GPS on my car. It's a TomTom. So that's a specific company. There's Garmin, TomTom, Google Maps. <clears throat> the one I have on the dash of my Plymouth <laughs> K-car. It's a K-car from the 1980s. And as I approached his estate, I, I'm going to... How gonna, many miles out not was Jerry, the am, Gene? <laughs> Well, I, I can speak to that, uh, and, and, and that's really why I brought this up, because on my little tom-tom, as I approached his compound, <laughs> and, and this is dead serious, the tom-tom GPS, you know how to do like a woman's Welcome voice saying, to the this Jerry and that, turn left turn. <laughs> Gene Galvin, right. you are and not said, <laughs> And it said, you are entering 
I swear to God, it said this, you are entering a restricted area. And I said to my wife, well, what the hell is that all about? Please said, turn know. around. And we kept going, kept going. <laughs> and then as we drew closer, <laughs> it told us to take a left here and then take another left. And that's his street. He said it again. You are entering yeah. a restricted area. For real, area. Gene, you and are sure divided here. Jerry. No, it did say that. But yeah. we found out in the meantime. Now, I admit it did say that. And we couldn't figure out why it would say that because no one else, I mean, it's never said it. Well, we don't put the GPS on when we have to go home, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no one has ever said that. Not but yet. I, I found out the reason it said it because it didn't say it like the next day. Pence, Vice President, or former Vice President Pence had gave, gave his speech on uh, Friday in uh, Orlando, Florida, and in the afternoon, where he said he disagreed with Trump, you know, that he couldn't yeah, change yeah. the election. After yeah. that speech, apparently, he went somewhere on Bird Key, where we live, and either having a fundraiser or whatever. And because the vice president was there, that's why it becomes like a no fly zone. Uh, no, I think it was just it had nothing to do on his. <laughs> Gene Galvin is not permitted no, in this area. Restricted area. No, I think you just restricted it specifically. Well, to that Gene. I did. <laughs> Keeping Gene away, we couldn't believe he actually came to our house. We turned all There's... the lights as he was approaching. We turned all the lights and hid behind the couch. <laughs> And they were gracious hosts, by the way. And thank you to you and your yeah. lovely wife, Mickey. It, it was actually as they dove behind actually, couches uh, as you got there. As Bonnie Mickey, was allowed in. They were fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mickey turned to me and said, you didn't say it was tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, we love you. We all love you. Hey, uh, <laughs> I know. While we were while we were there, hey Jerry, I heard something that I hadn't heard before because you know we've been hanging around together since, and we were talking about this. We had a great time, a weekend visit, and <clears throat> another person who was a mutual friend of ours, somebody I met through Jerry. Who, by the way, I'll just give this much information. He was a guy that just, you know, was raised in a kind of a working class neighborhood of Cincinnati. And he, uh, from a young age, he was sort of a, 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 a geek kid who was very entrepreneurial. Be, be the kind of kid that would join the, you know, those clubs in your school where they, you know, the buy stocks and sell stocks and learn how to do it or start a little company selling pencils in the lunchroom or something. And that was yeah. this guy, right, Jerry? It's really true. And he went to the University of Cincinnati, he got a degree, and then he got a law degree. And then he went to work for Procter & Gamble. And he quickly quit, I think, within a year, because at the time, particularly Procter & Gamble was very straight-laced. Yeah. You know, all the dudes had to wear white Black shirts ties. and yep. solid ties and, and dark suits and all that. And he said, man, this is not They called them Proctoids. He went on to become, yep, and he went on to become a uh, entrepreneurial uh, businessman starting his own companies and the rest is history. He, he is, is loaded. loaded. He is loaded. And it's not that he's, he's trying he's, to be. He can't yeah. stop making money because he's got 
He's got these companies going and they and they've got lives yeah. of their own now, right, Jaron? So what you're saying is he then the next morning so, came to fly us over to his place in the other side of Florida. Yeah. And, and he flies around in his own jet. He has multiple corporate jets. Jerry, and he has this house. How's your jet doing, Jer? This is beyond testing. Me. One, two, one, two. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I just checked. So anyway, we 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 had this great, great gathering. And he's got a big ass boat. And it's like, oh, and you know, hey, Jerry, this is serious. And, and, and look, truth be told, Jerry Springer, obviously has done similarly. I mean, Jerry's a celebrity and deservedly so. And I was getting on the plane, walking behind Jerry. No, was this wife, Jerry's my plane, wife, No, this was. No, no, it was this other guy's. And as we're getting on the You're plane, so I turned to my wife and said, how in the, how in the hell did this happen? That we, because I'm like, I was a career educator, you know, uh, uh, urban public school educator, and now retired. And my wife added, uh, you know, her own dance studio. So we're like just normal people. And it is magnificent. We're lucky. We're blessed to have found friends like you guys. So wait, wait, wait. So uh, Bonnie said to you, how uh, how did we get on this uh now I was been saying to her. It's funny said, because Mickey said her the same thing to, me, to me about you. How did they get on? How did they get here? Yeah, how did, how did they get our here? number? Yeah. <laughs> right. And my wife said, no, I deserve yeah. it. I don't know about you. Bonnie but anyway, does, um, Gene, Bonnie deserves it all. So while we were while we were on this wonderful weekend of hanging out with these folks and just having a blast. And uh, we've been friends for many, many years. But by the way, we met Lewis. Is this oh, Mr. Guy, ben. Good first name. And, oh. <laughs> and we, well, there you go. And we met him uh, through Jerry in a political campaign. And that was back in, I don't know, maybe it's, yeah, we met him in seventy two. We so. met him in 75. You and I met in 69. Okay. So it was, uh, it's a long, long friendship. But anyway, while we were hanging out, Jerry Springer uh, told a story and I thought I'd heard it. Oh, sorry. No, no, wait a minute. <laughs> Calm down. Hey, uh, recently, <laughs> within the last, what, few years, you had an occasion to be with a rock and roll icon. And, and I'm going to name this guy, and a lot of our listeners will say, who the hell is that? And others will say, oh, I know exactly who that is, because we're talking about really the 1950s and then into the 60s and beyond. And this guy is known as Little Richard. Oh. And I'm going to tell you, he was really? one of yeah, the I founding pillars of rock and roll. He was an R&B guy. And everybody started covering his music, his song, songs that he was writing, like guys like Little Richard. Going way like, back, I know who that up, is. Elvis That's Presley. awesome. Yeah. yeah but, well, I. Yeah. And he started in the 1950s is when he broke onto the scene. And you, Jerry, told us that you were with him because he's still around no, doing think, stuff. Not no, too I long think ago. Just recently he passed away. 
I, th- I think oh, so. Did he? Still? Okay, yeah. I think that's right. Maybe very possibly. Well, tell us this gathering. Well, no, it was, oh, I'm, I'm glad you're telling and... that story. I thought you'd be telling the other story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I want to <laughs> yeah. hear the other story. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better story. <laughs> yeah, screw I think this I story. Let's hear yeah. the other no, story. This, <laughs> this story was um, about 10, 15 years ago. Um, back when um, uh, Gene and I were young, um, Dick Clark um, owned the airwaves in terms of uh, rock and roll. Uh, and he brought all these rock and roll stars on the, uh, Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Bandstand. A later generation knows him, be, knew him because of the New Year's Eve show. Uh, but for years, he had this uh, dance show where whoever was making a record from Elvis Presley. Yeah, you went on American Bandstand. And anyway, it was his 50th anniversary. So ABC TV was having a primetime special honoring Dick Clark on his 50th anniversary. And they brought back a lot of the a lot of the rock and roll stars who were still alive, uh, who had been on his show. Out of nowhere, I get an invitation to be on. This was when the talk show was really hot and they were concerned about getting a younger audience because a lot of, you know, the young people today weren't around when Dick Clark was so big. Uh, so they had me on and I, I was playing good golly, Ms. Molly with a little Richard. And they also had the pointer sisters and Jim Belushi playing. Um, That's so and, cool. Yeah. 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 Now we're brothers. And, but now we're, during the rehearsal, I'm just clowning around, play, you know, playing chords. Oh, two things I got to tell you. They did not plug my guitar in. <laughs> so I was playing an electric guitar, but I was the only choice. one on stage where they didn't plug it in. So there was no fear that I would destroy. Uh, <laughs> that part. But during the rehearsal, just to loosen everybody up, I suddenly said, stop, stop. And I go look at little Richard who's at the piano. And I said, that's a D sharp. It's a D sharp for God's sake. Who the hell is this? He did pass away in 2020, well, I, by the way. I just looked yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was really, really a good okay. guy. A lot of fun. Phenomenal talent. Well, phenomenal. Oh. He, he was amazing in, in what he icon. did. Uh, yeah. And the foundation of rock and roll. And just one last thing on him, and then we're going to swing over and talk to the hammer uh, and the hatchet, uh, who, which is, which is Jamie Hood and John Boyer. Uh, but Little Richard was pretty pissed off in his early career, and I think deservedly so, because he had cranked out this music. And this is the reality of the way rock and roll emerged. African-American artists, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, the name too, were charismatic, creative. Uh, Ray Charles yep. would be another one, uh, and effective, a good businessman. And they were creating lots of music, and they were extremely popular in the African American community, where those listeners, those fans, black people were discriminated against from getting into the, into white clubs or getting on white controlled TV or radio shows or, or anything. Yeah. Yep. Or radio. So they faced a huge economic yep. hardship that has been part of their struggle forever. And so little Richard's cranking out this music 
And then others started to A, cover those songs and then make a huge amount of money. And, and I think we should uh, send props to this Pat Boone guy who came out of the same period, a white vanilla kind of guy from actually, I think from out West Utah or somewhere is where he was raised, went to college, got out of college and, and became a singer. And he said to Little Richard, and this was sort of known within the music industry, little guy, don't worry about me. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to cover your songs. I'm going to sell the hell out of them. And I'm getting a good chunk of money flowing straight to you. In other words, he cut a deal, which was the way it should be. And but he was very generous in how he paid the creative side, because yes, people were listening to Pat Boone doing Long Tall uh -huh. Sally, great rock and roll song from back in the 1950s, representative of this era. And Little Richard's version, which frankly, I loved, man, I, I, I just, there were a lot of us who loved the music of those guys without any regard, and maybe even because they were of a culture that we were just beginning to learn about. Yeah. So anyway, very cool, Jerry, that you had a brush with little Richard and it's so fitting. And, and everywhere we go, including on this weekend, Megan, this happens to me all the time. Whenever I'm around Jerry, somebody will come over and comp a check for Jerry Springer. And it never happens to me. The rich get richer and the poor, like Gene Galvin, Gene. stay poor. It's like you're giving it to the wrong Gene. person. And yet, Jerry, who jumped at paying the check in Fort Gene. Lauderdale? In, in the 53 that years that I that we have been friends, in the 53 years, yes. that was the very first time <laughs> you picked up a check. That I can tell you was a whole meal for five people that only came out to $116. So don't tell me. It was 100. And also, it was 138. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Galvin, but people have to like you in order to comp things. Yeah, that's yes. true. To get that so, comp, Jack. Yeah, um, all right. yeah your, your personality may come into that. Just, just saying. Yeah. I mean, I love you, but you're an acquired taste. Yeah. And as you come into a restaurant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Megan. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, thank I'm you. just being honest here. Yeah, but one time. <laughs> <in 50. laughs> just rip anyway, that off, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have the hammer and the hatchet back with us this hey, week. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi. Hello yeah. again. How are you all? Hi, and we're sorry about Gene. Like he, yeah. you can tell him that you love him. He'll be fine. No, Look, there's nothing you. you can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he's pretty well established here and he's always been friendly to me. So. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you're going to be playing for us this week. And uh, welcome back, like I said. And uh, yeah, just give us a little more info. Real glad to be here. Uh, this next song is, uh, or this song is uh, one that Jamie wrote, actually. Yeah, I wrote this song we're going to play called um, Insomnia Song. And, you know, it's about those little thoughts at night that keep you up. 
and kind of keep your wheels turning when you just know you should get some rest. Just and, kind of um, eat at your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just yeah. could have, would have, should have, right? You know, that right, kind of thing. Right, right, right. So lots of lots of that kind of energy in this song. And I just want to say that you can get it on um our record called Road May Flood. And what uh, is it called again? Well, Repeat that. It's called Road May Flood. And okay. um it's on, available on vinyl, and we had that pressed at Got a Groove there in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, and, that's cool. Um, so we try to keep stuff regional best as we can. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, they were a fantastic company yeah. to work with, and they got us done and, and uh, the record ready to go um, even through 2020 and all of the hardship and, and delays there. So I just wanted to say that the the record is called Road May Flood, and those guys were great to work with and this one here that yeah this one is is called insomnia song been up all night been up all morning too i've been worrying myself to death Thanks for having us back. We really like being with you. Absolutely. You guys are great. No, no kidding. You you are so fun to talk to. And uh yeah. I, you know, I hope we, when we get back to doing live, I mean shows again where we can be in a coffee shop or something, you you come by again. Yeah, you guys yeah. are some of the Thank nicest guys. guests. Yeah. Oh, thanks. For sure. For sure. We're gonna go out and tell everyone that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Tell everyone. Yeah, you really yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, no, you are so super nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or 
Yeah. Or, you know, start a rumor or something. I think that's yeah. supposed to help us. Yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> going to start a rumor that you're nice. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. We got, a little, we got a little scuffle with Jerry. That'll get us out there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're super nice people, damn it. <laughs> I'm not afraid to fight about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us where we can find more of your music. Tell us how we can follow you, buy your vinyl. Where do we find it? www.thehammerandthehatchet.com would be the first place to go. That's the place. The website Perfect. is the hub. It gives you links to everything. Thehammerandthehatchet.com. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We can't wait to have you back again. And while you're checking them out, please make sure you go to our website as well. Jerry Springer, the podcast.com and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, etc. cetera. Uh, give us some likes. Like I said, Gene sits around all day waiting for an email from somebody. Yeah, somebody please send Gene an email. <laughs> <laughs> for God's sake. Okay. <laughs> He yeah, just, just send him. To, he's got nothing email. to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll take you out this evening on Down by the Riverside. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Jerryspringer.com.